podcast one production. You absolutely need to set, um, you know, a very clear time frame around when this needs to get resolved by and what resolution looks like. I'm Margie Hartley, executive coach to senior leaders around the globe, as well as 11 of the top ASX listed companies. And this is Fast Track. Today, how to manage negative employees. My guest is Ryan Benici, Chief Marketing Officer, G2 Crowd. Bad attitude can be more damaging than poor performance and the negative employee occupies more coaching time with my clients than just about anything else. Today, I want to fast track your career and talk about how do we deal with this annoying, common and really tricky problem. Ryan, I need to ask you, is the trickiest leadership task negative employees? Look, Maggie, I definitely think it's one of them. Um, and it's one of those ones that really starts to interplay between peace, people's personalities and starts to activate the deeper parts of themselves, I think, when you're dealing with negative emotions, especially at work. Yeah, well, there's these stories about sabotage. We've had one in Australia recently where somebody actually put needles in strawberries. You know, that's an extreme negative employee. But really, you're talking about this um, person who's in the office who's being really annoying, but we can't quite label their behaviour. We're not quite sure, but there's a negative energy going on. There's a lot of lot of nuance in dealing with a negative employee. They're, they're a massive cost to business. But it's, it is really tricky as a leader to know what to do. I'm just interested in what, why is this really tricky? You're a leader. What's your experience? Look, yeah, it's really tricky, Margie, because just as you mentioned, there's so many nuances to how someone is positive or negative in the workplace. And, you know, if you just take an example, right, there was someone on my team recently who, who I can think about really clearly, um, but at the end of every meeting, they would always sort of be kind of devils advocating on everything every person said. Now, it's always great sometimes to have someone be thinking about the other side of the situation, but when one person takes that role all the time, and comments always with a bit of a negative angle on things, it starts to grate on the rest of the team. And so I think that's like a more clearer thing when you start to notice a pattern forming with an employee on your team. Um, But it can come in in a lot of different forms. And so the cost to business um, is quite extreme. There's a Harvard Business Review study that says for every positive or high-performing employee, you can say that's on average, $5,000 added to your bottom line. But for every negative employee that you don't deal with, it's 12000 off your bottom line. Now, you know, whatever, whichever way you turn it, the return on investment's not really there. But we tend to have people who are negative hanging around, particularly if they're high performers. So I'm really interested today to sort of work out this idea of what you can do with these negative employees and how is it really worthwhile your time and energy to turn them around? Have you got a sense of um, in your years of leadership and you're in a dynamic young environment, what, what do you think about the how of turning this around with a negative employee? 
Yeah, look, I think it really starts with the relationship you've built with the person from the start, to be honest. Um, And look, I think if you've been lucky enough to be able to hire and build out your whole team and be involved in the interview process, so you've grown a team from scratch, then I think it's a different situation because you've been involved in hiring those people and they bought into you, you bought into them, and hopefully you were able to, you know, check out a lot of these things before they even became a problem. But most of the time we're moving into organizations especially as we become more and more senior, whereby we're being hired to go in and fix maybe a broken team or a broken department or a broken organization. And so it can oftentimes be harder than to build those relationships with those employees because you don't have all the context of what's happened beforehand. Um, But I think one of the most important ways to start even fixing the situation is to be able to have a really open and candid conversation with the employee about what it is that they're doing in a way in which that doesn't feel like it's a personal attack. Okay, so there's a lot of corporate jargon around open communication. Now, there's views that um, I think um, Ray Dalio says, radical candor, you just tell everyone they're an arsehole if they're an arsehole and you just go for it and you give the really blunt feedback. And then there's other really um, structured performance sort of conversations that people have. What does open communication mean? Um, mean to you in terms of managing as we talk about performance and negative employees? Yeah, look, I think for me, the way I try and think about open communication with my team is we're, we're being really open and communicating well when we're focusing on the context of the conversation as opposed to the content. Um, and the, so the content might be this person said this thing and it seemed negative or the context in this situation might be this person regularly is negative about X, Y, and Z and that's creating this situation. And so I think by be able, by focusing on that context in your communication, you're more likely to help the person stay above the weeds and not get caught up in the nitty gritty and fighting back on each of the little examples, which tends to happen more so with content focused conversations in my mind. So that would be, I think, one of the ways I think about it. But I also have just a a bit of a really simple model that I like to use, which I call SBI. Um, And I've, you know, I'm sure lots of people use similar different models. Um, And the way I like SBI is that it focuses on the situation, the person's behavior, and then their impact. So the situation might be, um, you know, regularly in our team meetings, the behavior might be you will point out all of the problems with a situation versus, you know, reinforce some of the things that might be good about it. And then the impact might then be, and this is hurting your relationships with people on the team and making it less likely for you to be successful in your job. So when you break down those three parts, you're not saying... I think, or you did this and it was wrong. Like you're, it's just a really structured way to make it super unpersonal. Um, and everyone on my team that manages people that I've trained with that basic process um, seems to really benefit from it. And, and I find that I don't get pulled down the wormhole per se um, when I have to have those sorts of conversations with people on my team. A couple of times you've said getting caught in the weeds and pulled down the wormhole. Mm. What do you mean when you're talking about that with a, you know, these, what I'm hearing fundamentally, <laughs> these are difficult conversations. So what do you mean by that? Yeah, look, they are difficult conversations and and I just giggled them because I was on a call maybe three hours ago with someone on my team and and I noticed that I didn't do as good of a job at staying in the, the context zone and got pulled into the content. And so those weeds, I think what I'm talking about there are when the person says, well, but, you know, I was doing this, this and this and I had these things going on. And the moment you engage and 
and get like back and forward in like rationale and logic, then you've you've kind of lost the argument from the get-go. You've lost the learning experience because now you're dealing with someone that's activated, that's focusing on this one moment. And the key really is to elevate it out of any one moment. So there isn't any one thing that can be picked apart and they can hopefully learn that there's like a, a greater a greater learning from this that there's a pattern for them. Okay, I love this idea of learning because um, in all the work that I do, we talk about not being seduced by the, you know, the riptide of some, something that's, you know, juicy and interesting, but the content um, and staying above the line. You know, there's lots of these sayings everywhere, but mm-hmm. this idea of not purchasing someone else's problem um, and the he said, she said, and then I did this and then she did this, it becomes like a year nine girls mm. um, argument. Um, and so sorry to all those year nine girls out there, but <laughs> it's it really it does become kind of petty. So this idea of about that there's a learning in it for the negative employee. So all I hear that you're saying is be open in communication, have the conversation and give them the feedback. Um, does that always turn around a negative employee? Look, it doesn't always turn around a negative employee, but I think if you can create this dynamic for feedback where you're giving it not just in, in say, negative experiences or negative coaching moments like this, but also in positive coaching moments. So like, you know, I'm a big fan of on-the-fly feedback. So if someone comes out of a meeting that I was in with them and they did a great job, I'll, I'll, I'll let them know, like, these are the three things that I love that you did in that meeting. And here's one thing that this isn't the slightest bit of a problem, but if you wanted to take it from maybe an A to an A+, this is what you could do. And so I think by creating those environments where we're always exchanging feedback and the team thrives on learning, it means that in those negative moments anyways, they're much easier to turn around. But look, it, it doesn't always work. And, um, and I think you need to be able to accept that sometimes and not take too long to come to those realizations. So you believe in calling it out, saying, do you say it in front of others? Do you say, you know, I'm naming the game, you're negative and it's not helpful. Is is this how you call it out? And do you do it in front of others? Yeah, great question. So look, I so firstly, um, if this is someone that reports to me or, or if it's someone that reports to someone that reports to me, then I, I'll always first speak to their manager and I would say, hey, I'm noticing a bit of a trend with this employee. And then I would run through the situation, behavior, impact framework with them to see if, if they, they've noticed a similar thing or if maybe I'm just, you know, a, a little bit out of it one day or over a period of time. Um, but look, if it's someone yeah, directly under me, then I think once I've thought it through, and once I can connect the dots and see that this is more of a pattern um, that they need to work on, yeah, I think it's all about calling it out and naming the game. But I would never, ever do that with them in public. I would only ever do that with them one-on-one. Um, and most likely um, at the end of, say, maybe, yeah, our regular one-on-one or maybe during our bi-weekly or bi-monthly uh, regular coaching sessions. So it requires you to be quite brave as a leader to be able to... Um, step into those conversations. Yeah, look, it, it does. And this is sort of why I think I brought up earlier this idea of when you hire someone, the, the relationship dynamic changes versus if you have inherited a team. Um, and so the, the employee that I can think of that came to mind, there's two actually that are top of mind. And one of them I hired and one of them I didn't. And for the one that I hired, when I had to have this conversation with them, it was a whole lot easier because I was able to actually say, hey, um, you know, I'll just use the name John for this. Hey, John, 
when you joined the business six months ago or three months ago, was I wrong that you said that you really wanted to focus on X, Y, and Z? And then they might say, yes, maybe no, and we'll discuss that. And then I'll say, hey, look, one of the things that we talked about was that, you know, I really believe in an open and honest feedback culture. And I was hoping to give you some feedback. Would that be okay? So I'll then always focus on asking permission. And I would obviously do this regardless of if I hire the person or not. Um, and assuming they're in a good place where they can, yeah, will be willing to hear that feedback, then I will give that to them. Now, it's not as easy if you haven't hired the person, though I find, because you haven't bought into them as much. They haven't bought into you as much. There's still like some trust oftentimes that hasn't been built that, that maybe needs to be built. And so in those situations, and, and you know, I, as I mentioned, have one earlier today, um, I'll make that really clear to the person when I'm giving them this feedback. After asking for permission, I'll say, hey, look, I want you to really know that I'm giving you this from, from a, a good place and I am only giving you this because I, I want you to be able to grow and I, and I think you really want to be able to grow. Um, so please try and understand that. And, and, and then I'll also sometimes, depending on the person, ask them actually not to respond after I give them the feedback and I'll ask them to take the day or the evening to think about it and then we'll talk about it the next day. Um, and the reason why I do that is because I find so often for folks that maybe you don't have as much trust with or, or vice versa or you don't have a stronger relationship, um, it can become really easy to, for them to fall into that, making excuses, well, but X, Y, this happened. And I think, again, as I mentioned, the moment you get into that, then you're, you're starting to lose that learning opportunity. Let's say that you've got the negative non-turnaround, right? So even... Mm. We know that even relatively modest levels of this sort of negative toxic behaviour can be a great cost and it's quite viral with your other, you know, people in the team. Morale can go down, it can impact the culture. Um, so when do we actually pull the pin and how do you do that with a negative employee? Let's say they're a high performer, Ryan, so they're making you money. Why would you pull the pin? Yeah, look, that, that, I think that the higher their performance, the harder this becomes. Um, but ultimately, I think once you've shared that feedback with them, um, and if they haven't improved, I think, you know, maybe within a week or two, that's when you would have to have a more serious conversation. And again, it depends like how serious this um, negativity is, obviously, and how much it's affecting others. And I think you actually need to sort of balance that around how much value is this person driving for the organization and how much problem how many problems are they creating but assuming that they're creating more problems than you know value they're creating or even if it's they're doing things that you just can't stand by I think again you have to be able to be really open and honest with them and just say hey you are a rock star on this team but you as we've talked about are really challenged by the way you deal with others and some of the negativity that you bring um, and I think and I've had these conversations with people before before I've said, hey, if, uh, and this isn't really my place to go into the details of this with you, but I think you would benefit from seeing a therapist. But if you can't work on some of these things within the next month, um, I, I don't think it makes sense for you and this organization to continue working together. Um, and I think sometimes that can um, shock someone out of realising how bad it is. I want to encourage people to really take hold of this because negative employees, in my view, can be turned around 
But if they don't get turned around within a measured amount of time, mm. they actually, it's time to pull the pin. It's time to really face into the infection that that can cause. Um, because so many times I've seen teams and businesses and organisations that one or two viral bits of behaviour or negative bits of behaviour become viral and the, that takes maybe six months, 12 months, and then the impact is really clear to everyone. Would you agree? Yeah, look, I think even even sooner than that, to be honest, Margie, sometimes, you know, I've seen like within a month uh, an employee's had an issue and they felt that they were shortchanged with something and they have, you know, fested and created massive problems, you know, uh, across, you know, a one small part of a bigger team. Um, you know, it really depends on the person. And again, like when we're dealing with these things, we're dealing with like typically a lot of things that are from someone's childhood or issues with self-esteem. And again, they're, they're not things that really should need to be dealt with at the workplace. But if someone has some undealt with issues there, and we look, we all do, I'm not perfect. I um, have a lot of my own issues. Um, but if those start to enter into the workday and create problems, we, we need to deal with them quickly. And so, um, yeah, I think the, the moment you see it, you need to address it. And um, you absolutely need to set, um, you know, a very clear time frame around when this needs to get resolved by and what resolution looks like um, and keep it really open with the person so they know and there are no surprises along the way. So I've got one last question for you, Ryan, and it's about the leader. So as a leader, if you don't deal with negative employees, what's the, what's the impact on your brand? Can you survive um, a negative employee in your team as a leader and still hold your head up high? Look, I think you know if you're um, if you're a leader and you're whether you're in marketing or not, if you're good at your personal brand, look, I think you can survive anything if you do it right. Um, but ideally, I don't think you should have to want to be or be in one of those situations. And if everyone is telling you that someone needs to go or there is a problem and you don't deal with that, yeah, look, you might get by. You may be able to still work in the organization and things won't be a won't be a problem, but. Um, you'll probably find it more and more difficult to get things done with folks that have maybe lost respect for you or, um, yeah, you you might start to find that the retention rates on your team have changed because people, you know, saw how you responded to something and weren't happy with that. Um, and look, we all make mistakes and, you know, I've made mistakes and I'm sure I will make many more in the future. But if you can keep instilling that open culture whereby you can talk about these things, you can at least then turn one of those mistakes around when people on the team can understand why you did what you did and why now you understand that it maybe was wrong, but at the time this was your thinking, um, just so that they can get that yeah better understanding. And I think that's what most people in the workforce today want and crave is, is you know, a real transparent conversation with, with management. Real transparent conversations with management. Sounds fantastic. And negative employees, it's actually tricky and costly and impactful. But if you can lean into it with open communication, regular feedback and making sure that culture is right across the team or the organisation and then choosing to have the conversation that says you stay or you go. The difficult conversation is how to actually deal with negative employees. So, Ryan, thanks so much. Um, remember, make good choices when dealing with negative people and employees. You see what's possible, adjust your behaviour and help them shift their behaviour. Fast Track is recorded in the studios of Podcast One Australia. The producer is Brooke Carrigan. Audio production by Darcy Thompson. 
For more episodes, head to podcastone.com.au.